0: Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael.
1: There will be people, you will become their target even though you are simply just quoting what the Bible says. Interestingly enough, in Leviticus 16 on the Day of Atonement, they had two goats they, had, they called one the scapegoat, and then one was a goat sacrifice for the nation. And the high priest on the Day of Atonement would lay his hands on the head of a goat, and he would confess the sins of the nation, and then they would lead that goat, interestingly enough, off into the wilderness. And the picture was that the goat was carrying away the sins of the people. But they found something kind of like a dog and cat that you might not necessarily want to come home. <laughs> they found that the goat turned around and started coming back to the temple area. So this was a problem because, at least symbolically, he was supposed to be carrying all the sins of the people. Not good when the sins start coming back. (laughs) He's supposed to be the scapegoat. So what they did to ensure that he would not come back home to the temple was they would take the scapegoat to the brow of a hill and they would throw him off. I know it sounds brutal, but the goat would die at the bottom of the hill so as not to return with the sins of the people. And in Jesus' own hometown, they took him to the brow of a hill and they were intending to throw him off the hill. You see, Jesus is our
2: scapegoat.
1: And he's fulfilling this imagery. In our Bibles, right in front of our eyes, it's amazing. His own hometown didn't want to hear it. And we all, I started this sermon by saying, wouldn't it be cool, just one day, right? Wouldn't it be cool to hear a sermon Jesus preached? Well, these people said, not so cool. Didn't like it. And they took him to the brow of the hill in order to throw him down. But passing through their midst, verse 30, he went his way and came down to Capernaum, a city Of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. You see, Jesus, if you go back to Mark, would adopt Capernaum as his own hometown because his own people kicked him out. And Capernaum, Matthew 9, verse 1, became Jesus' own city, kind of his adoptive city. Um, Jim, if you're ready, I want to show you just a couple pictures of the area of Capernaum. So um, remember that much of Jesus' ministry took place uh, around the Sea of Galilee, and Capernaum is a fishing village just on the northwest uh, upper uh, part of the Sea of Galilee. Kind of a diverse population. Keep on going, Jim. There you get an aerial view. So not, not very big, but a um, very significant place. If, if you've been to Israel, you know Capernaum is usually part of the trip, and you get to go to Peter's Fish House in Capernaum, If you're a fish eater, and when they put the fish on your plate, it is looking back at you. So if you have problems with that, they have option B. You can order pizza in Capernaum. Anyway, let's keep going. This is an ancient synagogue that dates very early. In fact, uh, they don't believe that the the ruins of the synagogue in Capernaum dates back to the time of Jesus. But they do believe that the lower portion dates back to the synagogue In Jesus's time so not the entire structure it was probably built on top of but the actual foundation stones if you will uh, date back to the time of Jesus so this gives you an idea of what a synagogue would look like and Jesus was probably standing here preaching to the people of Capernaum it's quite thrilling when you find yourself on a place on the earth where you think that your feet might be walking somewhere close where Jesus did keep on going Jim And you can see some of those foundation uh, stones. This actually is a picture, I believe, of uh, what they call Peter's house. And Peter was originally from Bethsaida, according to John chapter 1, but it seems like he landed in Capernaum as well, along with the partners in the fishing business, James and John. So this is the location where Jesus is. And so he's now in Capernaum, having been kicked out of his own hometown. Look at verse 22. He's there on the Sabbath day. He begins to teach. Teaching was a priority for Jesus' ministry, Mark 1.22. And they were amazed at his teaching for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. One writer said, Jesus didn't just preach about God's word. Jesus preached the word. And there is a difference. Jesus didn't just talk about what different Uh, leaders or rabbis believed Rabbi so-and-so says this, but Rabbi so-and-so counters that with this. And somebody in the middle is Rabbi so-and-so who believes this. No, Jesus said, you've heard it said of old, but I say to you. And people went, whoa. Rabbis in history, in fact, were often proud to say that they had never spoken any word that was just something that they came up with. They always preached in quotation marks but not Jesus. Jesus spoke with authority. And people who came to the synagogue week after week were used to just hearing the quotes. Maybe there was a lot of snoring going on in the synagogue. I don't know. (whistles) Rabbi so-and-so says this, but Rabbi (laughs) so-and-so. And Jesus said, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. I say to you, and people were like, whoa. Hair blown back a little bit. Wow. He preaches with authority. They were amazed. And just then, look at verse uh, 23. Just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. Now, I don't know if there was some amens and hallelujahs going on as Jesus preached, but then there was a Wah! kind of a shriek, an unhappy shriek, because a man with an unclean spirit was in the synagogue. And he couldn't handle the light. He couldn't handle the authoritative preaching. He must have sat there quietly week after week as people quoted the rabbis. But the moment that the Son of God began preaching, he couldn't handle it. Have you ever lifted up a rock in your backyard and there's bugs that look like you you haven't even seen the species before and they all scatter? (laughs) Well, that's kind of, I think, what was going on in that synagogue the light came and the demon that was inside this man just went, (laughs) Can you imagine being in the synagogue that day? Wow, you won't believe. You shouldn't have missed today, man. (laughs) Yeah, but the football game, what's the football game? I'm just telling you, (laughs) you shouldn't have stayed home. And here's this man. Luke calls the man possessed by the spirit of an unclean demon. You know, I begin to look at the gospel accounts, and I know a lot of you have wrestled with a lot of the scriptures, and I begin to think of the number of exorcisms and demons that Jesus sent out of people in Israel. And I step back this week and said, Lord, what in the world was happening In this place that you designated as the special place that you picked out of all the nations of the world in Jerusalem to have your name be there forever, what happened to these people? This seems like a third world country when Jesus is there. You know how some of us hear missionary reports and we hear of missionaries running into demon possessed people and we're like, Sheesh, it must be dark and something. And then we get a little background and we hear, well, there's voodoo going on, or there's black magic, or this this and this and spiritism. But this is Israel, folks. The place has gotten so dark that it seems like everywhere Jesus goes, he runs into demon-possessed people.
0: What happened to these people?
1: The, the place that was supposed to be a light to the nations, I'm sure that some people who were walking around and watching what was happening, even in the temple, people like Anna and Simeon, who were hoping for the consolation of Israel, I'm sure that they looked at their own nation, and probably like a lot of you do after you watch a half an hour of news reports and go, There's, this is a hopeless place. It, it's, sometimes we look at what's going on and we say, Lord, it has become so dark is there any light? Is there any hope? And the one who is light came. And the man who has an unclean spirit is sitting in the synagogue. How long did he sit there? Until he was confronted with the truth. Until he was actually made uncomfortable in his position. Now I know in you know, demon possession, the, the moral character of the spirit kind of mingles with the, the character of the person. So You know, who knows, you know, how that all plays out in terms of control, but the spirit couldn't handle it when truth, the truth, was coming at him. And Jesus had come to confront uh, the, the one who is over the kingdom of darkness, Satan. He had just dealt with him in the wilderness, and now he's dealing with his spirits. Turn to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. It's important that Mark sets this up this way because. If Jesus can't deal with the demonic powers, then how can he set people free? And so look at this. This is Matthew 12. This is verse 43. Matthew 12, 43. Jesus says, Now when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, Matthew 12, 43, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it. Matthew 12, 44. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. That is the way it will also be. This is scary, you guys, with this evil generation. And here's Jesus' point, and this is so important, because he comes to the lost sheep of Israel and he has compassion on them. He looks at them in Matthew 9 and sees them scattered and weighed down like sheep without a shepherd. And he tells the apostles, he says, look, pray to the Lord of the harvest that more workers will go out into that mission field. But the danger is that someone would come to the Messiah, hear the preaching of the word of God, And maybe experience deliverance or physical healing. We're about to see this, and this is very important to set up the rest of this message. Maybe experience deliverance from demonism or demonic possession and physical healing, but not be converted. The house is swept, but not occupied. So yeah, it's been cleaned out of the previous problem. So someone might say, hey, I encountered Jesus today and I'm no longer ill. Or someone might say, hey, my friend, I brought him to this synagogue service and he was delivered. But if the Holy Spirit does not come to dwell within that person, Jesus says something sobering. He says it looks clean. But in reality, it's not. Back to Mark, if you would. And in fact, the worse the, uh, the latter state of that individual Might be worse than the first date. Wow.
0: You are listening to Living Truth Radio with Pastor Michael Lance. I'm Mike Massaro, and I know what you're thinking. Wait, why are you interrupting Pastor Michael's sermon? Well, I have a good reason. Since Living Truth Radio is a listener supported program, it relies on donations from people just like you to stay on the air. And trust me, you can't always assume that someone else is going to be the one doing the donating. So, if God has blessed you through our ministry, we'd encourage you to go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the donate button. Let's face it, the way the world's going these days, we need all the solid teaching we can get. So, partner with us today. That's livingtruthradio.org. Now, back to Pastor Michael.
1: It's one thing to experience the power of the Holy Spirit, it's yet another thing to be converted. And Jesus, you know, he addresses the the apostles in the upper room. He's washed their feet. And he said to them, He who's bathed needs only to wash his feet and is completely clean. And you are clean, John 13, 10, but not all of you. For he knew the one who would betray him. And that was Judas. And Judas was an actor. He was putting on a show. He had a mask on. He was the ultimate hypocrites. He was a hypocrite. And so notice what happens now. The Spirit responds. This is Mark 1.24, saying, What do what? We have to do with you. Um, one scholar, William Lane, says you could have this. You have no business with us yet. Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? Notice this testimony. I know who you are, the holy one of God. You know it is isn't it interesting that the demons know who he is and people haven't quite figured it out? <laughs> James 2:19 says the demons believe that God is one. By the way, God is one is from Deuteronomy 6. It's the Shema, Hear O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. <laughs> The demons are orthodox in their theology. The the demons believe God is one, but they have one better than most people, and they what? Shudder. So you track the demons that Jesus encounters throughout the Gospels, and their testimony of him him is You're the Son of God, you're the Holy One. They know who he is. Everybody else is going, I'm not sure who he is. I, I don't know. How many miracles does he have to do? After all, he did walk out of a tomb after being killed. Isn't that enough? I don't know. And so they say, Is it judgment time? Have you come to destroy us? And Jesus, you got to love Jesus. Remember, this is all happening in the synagogue. This is great. <laughs> Jesus rebuked him and said, Be quiet. It's biblical. <laughs> I, know, I know some of you have changed those two words to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I would be very careful how you utilize those two words. But anyway, literally this is be muzzled. You almost get the picture of the spirit trying to talk. And <laughs> Just me. Anyway, and throwing him... <laughs> into convulsions i think some people said we're gonna find another synagogue after today i am it's a little too radical (laughs) what do you think the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him i don't know all that was going on there i'd like film footage but some weird convulsions are happening. The, I don't know if you're foaming at the mouth. There's other places that that happens. And somehow the spirit comes out. Now, can you imagine if you're a person there, sitting there? There's nobody sleeping. What? Talk about authority. Do you know the Sabbath, its essence, Shabbat, means rest. Think about it. Jesus has come into the synagogue on Shabbat. If you look at the Hebrew picture language, the the word Sabbath actually means to return to the covenant. Here's a man who's been dominated. In fact, when we see demon possession cases and we track them in Scripture, one of the goals seems to be to disfigure an individual to the degree that the image of God in them is ruined. That seems to be the goal. It seems to be part of the, if you will, the mockery of the kingdom of darkness. And so here's the Sabbath day. And I'm sure Sabbath has the idea of both resting, worshiping. You could call the Sabbath a time of rest and reflection. And I'm sure a lot of people went home and reflected that day what does this mean? They were all amazed. Look at verse 27. They were all amazed so that they debated among themselves and they said, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. Do you remember when he's on the sea later in Mark 4? He's sleeping on the cushion and It gets gets difficult out there, and they say, Lord, they wake him up, Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus says to the ocean or to the sea, be quiet, and it obeys him, and the apostles go, who then is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And a statement is being made in the gospel, and you got to see it. Jesus is showing his identity by his dominance or authority over everything, Over the kingdom of darkness, the demonic realm. He'll he'll show his authority over death, as we'll see in the gospel. He shows his authority over disease. He shows his authority over every realm of life. if you're one of those fishermen in the early days of ministry, you have to be saying, wow. Wow. I don't think they could have fully fathomed who he was and what exactly was going to happen next. So notice what happens. Verse 28, Immediately the news about him went out everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee, and you could imagine why. And immediately after they had come out uh, of the synagogue, or as soon as they left NIV, they came into the house of Simon. I showed you some uh, ruins of what they believe is Simon's house. The house of Simon and Andrew, they were brothers. James and John were there, and so that's the early fishermen, and they were partners in the fishing business. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever. And immediately they spoke to him about her. Now, when you got done with your Sabbath or Shabbat services, you had a meal at about noon, and typically the women would prepare that meal. So it's likely that uh, Simon's mother-in-law was supposed to be cooking the Shabbat meal, but she, and I don't know if they left her this way or if she was starting to not feel well, and then it got worse, but she had a fever, which could be very deadly, especially in that Day. She was lying sick with a fever, and immediately they spoke to him about her. Now, uh, you know, if you got a family member that's sick and you've been hanging around uh, the Messiah for a a few weeks or whatever it's been, you got to start thinking hey, uh, it'd be nice if we could eat. Why don't we just tell Jesus? (laughs) Sorry, that's the wrong motive. But anyway, (laughs) no, the truth is, I feel really bad that my mother in law is sick. Let's tell Jesus. And so they did. They shared. They made requests on her behalf, says Luke 4.38. It's a beautiful picture of intercession, by the way. When someone else is hurting, we go to Jesus and we say, Lord, we need your help on this one. Do you please touch my family member? A wonderful picture of intercessory prayer. They spoke to him about her and he came to her. This is the beauty of the master's touch and he raised her up, taking her by the hand. And the fever left her, almost like the spirit leaving the demon-possessed man. And she waited on them. This is the beauty of the master's touch. Luke 4.39 in a parallel account says, standing over her, he rebuked the fever and it left her and she immediately arose and waited on them. Just like he rebuked the evil spirit, he rebukes even fevers and they go. And his condescension, She, here's the picture. She's on a bed. He looks down at her. He reaches out a hand. And he rebukes the sickness and raises her up. And that's a picture of the incarnation. It's a picture of the gospel. This is what he does. He sees us in this position of being... A, dead in our sins and trespasses and he speaks the word over us and he raises us up to new life and once he does you can't help but serve him and that's what peter's mother-in-law did she was touched by him and maybe you know for the rest of the meal as they serve different portions of the meal maybe she kept saying feel my forehead feel my forehead I was red hot, and then he came in, and he reached down. It wasn't, like, yeah, yeah, Ma- mom, yeah, we know. No, no, go feel it. Feel it again. Go ahead. <laughs> now, how many of you have a mother when you were growing up, if there was any sign of a fever, you got the treatment? My mother did the kiss test. She'd put her lips to my forehead. That was better than any thermometer or anything like that. Let me, let me see. Come over here. Ma, Ma, come over here. Give it the lip test. I don't know, you, you're a little warm. When I was going up, I'd say, yeah, I don't feel good. I, yeah, I probably should stay home.
2: <laughs> what a lunch that must have been. Feel my forehead.
1: I think people in Simon's house probably were saying after feeling her forehead... That's cool. Do you know that's where that phrase came from? That's cool. (laughs) But you don't believe that? (laughs) And when evening had come, 32. Boy, that was a weak attempt at humor, wasn't it? I was writing that in my notes the other night, and I started laughing, so I thought maybe you would laugh. Anyway, (laughs) and when evening had come after the sun had set, They began bringing to him all who were ill. The sun setting would be the end of Shabbat, and I think people maybe felt more free to move, obviously with the restrictions on the Sabbath. So notice it says, they were bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. So there was more of them. And the whole city had gathered at the door. Now, if it's your house, I'm sure there's some family discussion going on. (laughs) Sheesh, everybody in the town's at the front door. And here they are, all these broken people pushing at the door of Simon's house. And Simon's going to begin to get a picture of what ministry is about. All these broken people in the world.
2: Maybe you've been hearing these messages about becoming a new creation in Christ, but you're not sure that you know him. Well, the Bible encourages us that now, is the acceptable time now is the day of salvation and so don't put it off because the bible tells us we don't even know what a day will bring so trust in him now the bible says that we need to confess with our mouth that jesus is lord and believe in our heart that god raised him from the dead and we will be saved now we see this reality in the scriptures of repentance and faith Turning away from our sin, which is repentance, it literally means to do a 180 and turn away from sin and turn to God to do it his way instead of our way. And faith is a word in Greek, which means to put our trust in, to entrust ourselves to Christ. Now, when we do that, we're trusting in his person, his finished work on the cross and his resurrection and and trusting in him and him alone for our salvation. And that's how you become a Christian. You turn from sin and you turn to God through Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others, and we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org, or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship. One zero zero nine Arsenal Way, Corona, California, nine two eight eight
0: zero. This is Oscar Santa Cruz, producer of Living Truth Radio. We have some exciting
1: news. And we do have something exciting going on. We are going through a name change for our radio broadcast, and we're going to shift the name from Living Truth Radio to Walk in Truth.
0: Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at LivingTruthCorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.